Test, test. Oh, there we go. I picked up the wrong mic. Man, that's what you do. That's what you do when you get a pastor that's taking too many days off. Uh, glad to have you in the house of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. There we go. There we go. Good to have you here. It's exciting to be in the Lord's house. Excited to just uh, get ready to praise the Lord through song with Tony and uh, his praise team. Well, the Lord's praise team, right? Tony helps lead that. Uh, just a couple quick announcements. Uh, August 6th, we talked about a little bit last week. We were planning our carnival-themed family fun night. So it's an exciting time. We were thinking about having it at Thomas Jefferson Elementary. But the exciting news is we have some teenagers that came back from camp that want to be baptized, right? Amen? And so we said, let's do this. Let's, uh, let's go to Wildwood Pool, and let's have a baptism service in combination with the family fun night. So, I mean, no better way to celebrate than to celebrate people's baptism. So I'm excited for the youth group that had such a great week. I'm excited for those who are going to be baptized. I'm very proud of those, uh, those uh, young people that uh, want to make that profession of faith. To have a teenager in this day and time to say, I want to stand up for Jesus Christ. Uh, to me, that's, uh, that's worthy to celebrate. Yes, clap. Give the Lord the praise for that. So we're going to, on August 6th, we're going to have our... Carnival-themed family fun night at Wildwood Pool. So if you need uh, directions, it's right off of 460 where the 7-Eleven is and go back into that neighborhood. Uh, but if you need uh, address, we can get that to you. But put that on your calendar, August 6th. It's going to be from 7 o'clock to 9 o'clock. So 7 o'clock, 9 o'clock, we have uh, jumpy activities. We got uh, different uh, food and all kinds of stuff. So it's going to be a great time for families. If you don't have children, that's okay. It's for all families to come together to celebrate. And if you're interested in being baptized, come see us. Let's talk with you about what it looks like to be baptized. And we'll walk with you to make sure you know Jesus Christ is your Savior and that you want, you're ready to take that stand where I'm not ashamed of Jesus Christ. He is Lord of my life. So it's an awesome opportunity. A part of this is uh, we always, as a church, look for ways to bless our community. So part of this family fun night is also to do a backpack a collection. So part of the, we talked to Thomas Jefferson Elementary School, uh, Principal Boyles is over there, Missy Tuck is over there, uh, great leadership at that school. And so we asked them about what can we do to support you as a school? And so they asked if we could come up with 20 to 25 backpacks, and we'll put this on our website, but they want to have things like pencils, crayons, uh, the 24 packs are perfect, marble composition books, scissors, glue sticks, pencil boxes, pocket folders. So these are things that we want to put in a backpack, and so they would like to have about 20 or 25. What got me to thinking this week, well, what about Jefferson Forest? So I talked to Jefferson Forest this week, asked them, and they says, absolutely, we would love some backpacks. So let's try to, let's make it a goal, 25 for Thomas Jefferson Elementary School, 25 for Jefferson Forest High School. And so uh, Jefferson Forest is, uh, they got a lot of kids, I mean, it's a great area, but they still have kids that have needs. And so as a church, we want to step up and help our school systems out, especially now with school getting ready to start in just a little bit. Uh, things are on sale at the, the Walmart for getting your supplies. But let's help these kids to have a great start to the school. Let's show the school systems, the elementary school, the high school, that we care for them and we care for their kids. And so they've been gracious to us. I mean, we're meeting in the school. And uh, believe me, they could probably charge us more rent than they charge us, but they they figured out what's the least amount that they have to charge us, and they go with the bottom, 
like to bless us and help us to have a great place to meet. So that's, uh, that's a couple announcements I have. Rick's going to come up and, and talk a little bit about our setup and teardown process. All right, good morning and uh, welcome to Impact. I'm kind of partial, but I feel like this is the best church. And I'm glad you all are here. Uh, we got a great pastor. We got um, a lot of things going on. So uh, first of all, I want to um, let you realize 8 o'clock this morning, we showed up. This place was totally cleaned out, nothing. Not a first chair anywhere. All this was not anywhere. And we had about eight guys show up. And we'd be, we were able to put all this together uh, for y'all. So uh, everybody who helped do that, I want you to go ahead, uh, if you would, give them a hand, all, all the guys that helped set everything up. So it's just a commitment uh, to do something extra for the church, and we appreciate that. So all the guys who came, Thomas and, and his tech people, you know, getting all the, all the stuff set up. Um, but with that being said, so this week, uh, the school is using this cafeteria all week for some big yearbook conference that's coming in, and so we have to tear down again. And it's a little bit different. All the chairs, we're going to, when, when your service is over, I need you just to stack your chairs again in groups of eight, and we're going to move all the chairs to the, to the back against the wall back there, and then we have to tear down all the stage and the curtains and, and all the tech stuff will have to be put away. So again, that's kind of what we're doing. So with that being said, that means next Sunday... At 8 o'clock again, uh, if you would like to show up and participate, uh, the more hands, the easier the work. Um, so next Sunday, we'll be setting up again uh, at 8 o'clock. So just to share that. Anyway, uh, so with that said, um, let's go to the Lord in prayer as we get ready to worship. Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you for this church, Lord. We thank you for your son, Jesus sacrifice on the cross, Lord. Thank you that you redeemed us to a holy God. Lord, I pray for every heart. I pray for every family uh, here today. Lord, that you would bless them, that you would draw them to you, that they would commit their heart to following you uh, seven days a week, Lord. May we glorify you on, on this worship day. May we glorify you as we go our way uh, to the world, to those we work with. Lord, we just uh, ask your spirit's power to come upon us now. We thank you and praise you in your holy name. Amen. Amen. So good to be with you today in worship. Let's all stand together, would you, as we sing. Amazing grace. 
Praise him this morning. Amen. Amen. This next song we'd like to sing is a new song that we introduced last week called Firm Foundation. And I'm so glad that we serve a God who never fails. Can you say amen to that? Thank you, Father. Love the truth of this song. Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand.
won't. He won't. Oh, no, he won't. He won't fail. He won't fail. He won't. I'm so thankful that he always proves his faithfulness. He is a faithful God. It's who he is. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that you don't change from yesterday, today, and forevermore. You're always the same. God, we thank you that we can trust that. 
your good father. Amen.
There is this adrenaline rushing, muscle tightening, heart rate increasing tension that our bodies feel when we experience anger. Now, you can choose to respond in one of two ways. You can give in to the adrenaline rushing, muscle tightening, and heart rate increasing tension that you feel. Or, you can take a moment, take a breath, and take some time to seek peace from someone greater than you. Because while the feelings associated with anger can feel overwhelmingly negative, your response doesn't have to be. Amen, amen. Hey, I'm on. Amen. So you can probably guess what we're talking about today. So welcome to Impact Church. If you're visiting with us, we say every week, if you're uh, here for the first time, fifth time, whatever time it is, it doesn't matter. And you're searching for a church home, a place to get plugged in. We hope the Lord would stop you right here. This will be your last stop, your last shop. And this is home for you. We would love for you to join up, be a part of what God's doing through this church as we look to reach this community, as we look to make disciples in this place. In the, and grow in the Word. So if you're looking for a Bible-preaching, teaching church that preaches the Word of God unapologetically, does not water it down, tickle ears, or apologize for it, you're in the right place. So welcome to Impact Church this morning. Amen. We're not ashamed of God's Word. God's Word changes lives. Why would I duck and hide from that? All right. Amen. So let's get going this morning. First, uh, um, welcome back, uh, uh, David and Debbie and the CR crew, they went to the CR Summit in California. They're all jet-lagged today, but I'm sure they got some great information to help us out um, with uh, making disciples here moving forward. Um, also, if anybody has, uh, we need a couple men after church, anybody has time, we have a new family that's moved from Maine into the area, a guy that I used to do some uh, 
uh, Feats of Strength with, with the Power Source team and whatnot. Uh, he's been in the area um, previously for a while, and he's moving back. Feels like the Lord is calling him and his family here to impact church. Uh, him and his wife currently lead a um, marriage uh, seminar ministry where they do uh, marriage counseling and seminars. So uh, if, um, uh, if the Lord anchors them here, it would be a great asset to our ministry. But anyway, they're moving here, and they need help just taking some heavy stuff off a U-Haul truck over at AAA Storage right here next door. So if a couple men have some time after church, get with me, and we'll head over there and help them out. Um, so then also, we didn't get to our finances last week after church because uh, the pastor was long-winded, you know. And uh, so anyway, so we're going to touch base on that immediately after today. And, uh, and so you know where we're at uh, financially here for the first half of the year. So anyway, let's dive right in. Today's message, we're in our sermon series, Barrier Breakers. We've been going through obstacles in life um, that we need to overcome and things that we all deal with. Today is no different because what we're going to be talking about is this human emotion of anger. Anger, something that we all deal with, again, even though some would deny it, and even though some are very obvious that have issues with it, we all deal with it at various levels in our personal life. So the title of today's message is Anger, Taming the Monster Within. Taming the Monster Within. How many of you guys remember the superhero, the Hulk? Anybody? Yeah, man, that was a big thing back in my day. They even had a, like a, a show that you used to watch all the time. Like every week, the Hulk would come on, man. I had to sit down and watch the Hulk, right? And uh, man, this dude was just this meek, mild, like really just calm dude was the Hulk, right? I mean, this guy that like you would not think he wasn't strong. He won in the weight room. He won all buff. I mean, this won't the rock in normal day life. You know what I'm saying? This was like average Joe, okay? But he, when he got angry would turn into this big superhuman green monster breaking out of his shirt and his and causing collateral damage right and if you remember the saying that he would say before he turned into the hulk how many of you remember that don't make me angry <laughs> you wouldn't like me when i'm angry how many people can identify with that I mean, we may not turn green and big and all that stuff and, like, crash buildings, but when we get angry, sometimes it ain't pretty. So how do we, as normal people, as, as people especially that, that want to become disciples of the Lord, how do we harness this monster that can be within? Because here's what we're going to learn. Anger can be good or bad. Anger of itself is not a bad thing. Did you know that? A lot of people think if you're angry, it, that's a bad thing. I'm going to tell you that's not bad to be angry. Not. It's a normal human emotion. It's how we respond to that that's going to make all the difference, and we're going to see that. So what human emotion has the power to transform a tender-hearted, mild, usually nice guy or gal into a raging monster ready to damage and destroy anything in their path? It can be anger. If we don't learn how to tame this monster, it can turn parent-child relationships upside down. It can destroy a kid's self-esteem from those that use it against them in certain circumstances. It can destroy marriages. It can separate the closest of relationships. It can tear apart ministries. And in extreme circumstances, it can cause a student or a worker to turn into someone who shows up one day 
ready to take revenge and take lives in a mentally unstable moment. Guys, that's what we're talking about today. And it's an emotion that we all have. So unrestrained emotions, especially anger, can be damaging. But here's the thing. God created us as emotional beings, all right? And God gifted us with these emotions that we can use in certain ways for his glory. Yes, they can be detrimental, and we shouldn't live by our emotions. But when we recognize them and harness them and use them in a way that's pleasing to the Lord, they're a good thing. Or the enemy can in turn flip it and use it to be a bad thing. So again, the choice can be ours through the Spirit leading us, guiding us, and through the truth of God's Word giving us a roadmap. All right? So when these emotions are unchecked or when they're controlled can make all the difference. So today, what we're going to look at through God's word is how you and I, every single one of us, and everybody you know, through the spirit of the Lord and the truth of his word, can tame the monster within us and use something that the enemy could use for bad and turn around and use it for God's glory. Let me pray for us before we dive in. Dear Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. Lord, we're here to worship you, to glorify you, lift your name high, Lord, to make much of you, Lord, to make much of your word, to dive in deep, Lord, to understand, because, Father, here, Lord, we know that your word changes lives. So, Father, I pray that you would use it today, Lord, in something that we all deal with, something that I deal with, something that every person in this room deals with in, at various ways at different levels in our lives, especially when circumstances maybe don't go our way. So Lord, I pray, Father, that you would speak, that you would move, and that you would change hearts and lives today, that you would start a process where maybe this starts some truth today, and maybe some people um, grasp this and, and, and take it. Maybe some people need to take this, and Lord, you're going to use it to move them into um, getting some help with some counseling, with some more specific uh, situations and direction and discipleship to overcome this monster within Lord, that needs to be tamed. And Lord, that when we can do that, you're going to use, Lord, this normal human emotion, Father, for your glory and for your good. So Lord, we praise you in advance for what you're about to teach us, show us, and move us to do today through your word. You get the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. If you have a copy of God's word, and I hope you do, um, either in hard copy or electronic copy, whatever you have, turn to the book of James. And we're going to be in chapter 1 today, and just a couple verses where we're going to get the, most of the teaching from our uh, message today. is verses 19 and 20. So James chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 19 and 20. It says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Very clear. And what we have here is, of course, James, the brother of Jesus, writing to a group of Jewish believers here at the time that are going through some rough times. I mean, they're living here in a time where if you stand up for the Lord and for his truth, that, you know, you're going to might be removed from society, removed from your family, lose your job, whatever else. Persecution. Right? So he's encouraging people 
to still walk with the Lord in so many ways. And he starts chapter 1, of course, with consider it pure joy when you encounter trials of many kinds. Because you walk through this, it's going to develop some perseverance in you. God wants to do a work, and if you finish that, you're going to become spiritually mature and complete, not lacking anything. Guys, that's what God wants for every single one of us. Did you know that? He wants you and I to walk through the process of discipleship where we become spiritually mature and complete, and we're only, only, only going to do that when we encounter hard times, and then the question is how we respond. Do we persevere? Do we walk with the Lord? Or do we take matters in our own hands? And, and when we do that, guys, I do this, you this. When we take matters in our own hands and we just react on our emotions, we jack things up, don't we? <laughs> I do it, you do it all the time. Whether it's in relationships, at home, at school, on ball teams, in church, whatever, man, we can, that can happen. So God wants to use us in something. And so here, James, inspired through the Holy Spirit, is writing this letter to God's people then and now, and calling us to something different. To not use wrath or anger because it can cause destruction. And here you see the word in the New King James, we read wrath. And we're going to look at that here in a little bit specifically. But what we saw off the front is that there's a list of becoming slow to something. Three different things. And we're going to look at that in detail at the end. But it's, it ends with being slow to wrath, which of course doesn't produce the righteousness of God, but it starts with being really swift to hear, slow to speak, all right? So much of our anger and wrath comes from basically being self-centered. Let's just be honest. Where we're not others-centered and we become self-centered, even whether it be for a brief moment or whether that's something we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. It can happen either way. We could be filled with pride and, and have a trouble with that in our whole life. We had that message. Or this could just be a brief moment where you didn't get your way, where you really think you're right, and it didn't happen, so boom, a burst of anger comes out. And it can cause problems, all right, in our relationships and in what God has for us, all right? So we're going to look at all that here at the end. But what we need to know, and, and, and you already know this, is you're, you have two ears and one tongue, Right? And your ears are on the outside of your head, exposed to everything, ready, like radars, attentive, okay? You also have one tongue, and where's your tongue? It's not exposed to everything. I mean, unless you just walk around with your tongue sticking out, I hope you don't, all right? Michael Jordan may be doing a layup. That's cool, but otherwise, maybe you need to, you know, because our tongue is meant to stay in our mouth until it's ready to be used. It's gated by teeth and closed by lips, so before it's used, we got to open something before that little booger can wag. I've always heard, you know, you got two ears, you got one tongue, so you should listen twice as much as you speak. All right? Some good wisdom there. We're going to see that here in God's word as we go through. But I want to look for a minute at this word wrath, all right? Because it's the, the Greek word orge, and it means violent passion and emotion, temper, and punishment. Once you think about that, punishment. So this word, if you have a different translation, it might just say the word angry, all right? Because anger doesn't produce the righteousness of God. That's actually a bad translation for this word in this context that is trying to be used. Because we know that anger by itself is not destructive necessarily. It's the response to the anger. Therefore, it's the punishment, the wrath of man that's unleashed because of the emotion of anger. Does that make sense? 
All right, this word wrath here is the same word that's used for, the, for God's wrath, which we know is a good wrath because God's wrath comes from his holiness in response to the necessary punishment of sin and evil. That wrath for right now has been placed upon Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the finished work of the cross. And our, in our church age, we have the, the opportunity right now to respond through his grace and mercy and repentance and come to him and know him so that that wrath never falls upon us. But if you or I or anybody else choose to, to, to deny that and not give our hearts and our lives to him, one day, once he returns, okay, and, and, and it's done, that wrath will fall upon us. Okay, the sinners that do not repent and come to Christ. We just went through the whole book of Revelation, all right, and we know that, and we saw the vividness of that. But right now, the wrath's on Jesus, but his wrath is a good wrath because it's out of his holiness and punishment for evil and sin. Our wrath, on the other hand, when we choose to come out in wrath, is not good. Our wrath is because of our unrestrained anger usually with a motive of vengeance or retaliation, isn't it? Where we didn't get our way, somebody did something against us, so we're going to get back. Somebody did something I don't like, and and, and I'm going to respond. That type of wrath is not good. And that's the wrath that the Bible is talking about here that does not lead to the righteousness of God. It's not in God's plan for you or me or for people around us, all right? So in other words, our wrath, the wrath of man, usually promotes our own agenda, okay? And that's where we got to be careful, all right? So if we don't understand, first and foremost, there's a monster within us, all right? And it's common to all of us. We don't learn how to respond to this normal human emotion, and we let it out. Then we're going to harm some of the most important people around us. We're going to allow Satan to use and destroy our children, our homes, our jobs, futures and lives so that's what we're dealing with so let's start by asking a question anybody in here ever gotten angry before (laughs) yeah all of us right you've been angry oh no i don't get angry i don't yell i don't scream i don't ever come on you get angry you get angry you just maybe deal with it or let it out in different ways and we're going to look at that as well okay all right so when we see this, let's ask these questions. We know oh, we've gotten angry. Have you ever gotten angry when somebody treated you unfairly? When you were misunderstood? When you weren't listened to? When you were overlooked? Maybe at work or at home, at school? When you were belittled by somebody? You ever get angry when somebody pushes you or hits you? You ever get Mad when somebody cuts in line in front of you at the amusement park or cuts you off in in traffic? You ever get mad when you got laid off but somebody else gets to stay in their job that's been there less time than you? Or you ever get mad when somebody else got promoted and you'd been there longer than them? You ever get mad when your kids don't obey? Ever get mad when someone closes before they're supposed to? Say they close at 9, you show up at 8.45, sorry we're closed, and you just rush 30 minutes to the pharmacy to get something? Yeah. 
You ever been mad because you didn't get to do things or focus on things you wanted to get done because you were helping others? But just intrinsically, you get a little angry because you feel like you're always helping somebody else and you don't have time for yourself. You ever get mad because you get behind the slow car when you're already running behind? I live in good, happens all the time. And then on top of that, you catch every red light through forest. Little old forest, every red light. Just kind of starts to. How do you respond? How do I respond? You ever get mad when somebody gossips about you or slanders about you or your family? Tearing down your character, your reputation through partial truths or complete lies? Yeah. Makes you mad, doesn't it? But how do we respond? There's the question. Because all of that probably should make us mad. Again, normal human emotion. But how we respond makes the difference. All right? So what we're dealing with here is something that when you think of your house and, and you know you have hidden wires in your walls, right? That run your lights and power your, your appliances and your HVAC systems and all that. But what if one of the insulation or one of those wires just gets skint for some reason? Maybe during installation or maybe you got a mouse up in there and choose away the insulation and you don't know it. And you think everything's cool. You, you leave, go on vacation, and you come back, and your house burnt down. Like, what? Everything was cool when I left. What happened? Because there was something behind the walls that wasn't outwardly seen, that wasn't dealt with or addressed, and it caused a huge problem. You see, we're dealing with something that's kind of like fire in a fireplace, Right? We're going to see that anger can be good, but can also destroy, because the destructive part's what we're looking at today in this passage, right? So fire in a fireplace, and I've used this analogy with uh, human sexuality as well, God's gifted this to us, okay? So when you think about the emotion of anger, it can be good if it's in the fireplace. It can be used for good. But if that fire gets outside the fireplace, that ain't good. Bad things happen when that fire is not where it's supposed to be. And that's what we're looking at here specifically, how to keep it harnessed within the fireplace where it's supposed to be. All right? So we're all, burn, all prone to burn the house down when we're under pressure and in bad circumstances if we don't watch it, every single one of us. So we need to be aware, all right, to not be angry and sin. Okay, we're going to see that passage here. But let's look at what is anger, because we need to really kind of look at that. And we're going to look at kind of the psycho-social uh, um, kind of definition. Then we're going to look at the biblical definition and really dig out how we tame this monster at the end in this passage. It lays it right out for us, okay? But we need to know, and we've already discussed it, anger is a, a morally neutral emotion by itself. It's not necessarily good or bad on its own. See, some people, again, think you're angry, you're bad. No, not necessarily. How you're responding in your anger, yes, could be bad, right? But the anger itself is not bad. You should be angry when somebody gossips and slanders about you. You should be. You should be fired up. But how do you respond to that? That's the question. 
There's nothing wrong with being angry and then going to that person, which you should do, Matthew 18. We're going to look at that. But you need to go to that person in the right way. Yeah, you can be stern and kind of lay it out. And you can know, yeah, I ain't playing, man. You better short your lips. You know what I'm saying? There's nothing wrong with that. But if you go in and cuss and scream and threaten and belittle and do all that, well, what'd you just do? You just sinned, okay, because of your anger. Nothing wrong with the anger and setting things straight. That's what we're supposed to do. How we respond in a sinful way that becomes the problem, all right? So, neutral by itself, normal emotional response is actually an emotional response that's meant for protection. That we're in uh, dangerous circumstances, a little anger kind of gets fired up in us, a little fight or flight, and it it helps us defend ourselves, right? To some extent, it kind of charges our our, uh, blood pressure and everything and gets our senses on edge, okay? But when we have that in our relationships and we act on that in a way that's not godly, (laughs) bad things happen, okay? All right, so it's neutral by itself, but it's charged in how it's released. So if you're taking notes, you can write that down. Anger is neutral by itself, but it's charged, meaning either positive or negative, by how it's released, okay? Let's look at Ephesians 4. And read verses 26 through 31. And we're going to see that Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 through 31. Of course, we know Ephesians, we talked about that a few weeks ago. And looking at the first three chapters, talk about um, who Christ is, who you are in Christ. Now, the last four, uh, three chapters, rather, of Ephesians are going to tell us how to live out our life in Christ. All right? To walk in a manner worthy of our calling. As part of that, we get this instruction in chapter 4. Verses 26, and let's read through verse 31 right here, all right? It says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Some of your um, versions may say, don't give the devil a foothold. Let him who, who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, what is good that he may have something to give him who has need. Verse 29, let's keep, keep going. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Did you hear all that? And be kind to one another, tenderhearted. I'm just going to read verse 32 since I'm already there. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Doesn't get any more clear than that, does it? Pretty, pretty straightforward. First of all, it says, in your anger, do not sin. It doesn't say your anger is sin. It says in your anger, do not sin. So we know that there is a a, a polarity that we can have either positive or negative as a response to the neutral emotion of anger. And then also we see obviously unresolved anger and anger used in in an ungodly way gives who a foothold? Your enemy. Oh, you mean that same one in 1 Peter 5.8 who comes to, you know, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking who may devour? Yeah. The John 10.10 10 enemy, the ones who comes to steal, kill, and destroy? You mean that one? Yeah. 
You mean the one we learned from Revelation that accuses you every day before the throne of God if you're a believer in Christ? Yeah. He wants a foothold anywhere he can get it in you and your home. Are you letting him have it? Let's not let him have it anymore. So let's learn today from God's word what we need to do to overcome this. First, on the polarity of a positive emotion of energy, we know that this emotion can be used in a healthy way, and it can motivate us to correct attitudes, behaviors, and correct certain injustices. It can do that. We know Jesus set that example for us in the temple. You remember that story, right? He goes into the, the temple. The money changers are, are uh, double-dipping on the finances, taking God's people for a ride, all right? Charging them for the, for the sacrifice that's coming in. Say, oh, yeah, you got, you're coming a long way. Let me, let, we'll have the sacrifices right here for you. The perfect spotless lamb, all that. You got to just buy it right here. Problem is, yeah, they weren't just providing that at a market price. They were marking the price up and making some money on it. Then, if that wasn't bad enough, when you come in, the money you had to use, you couldn't use the outside money. You had to use the temple money. So they had a money changer right there. So that then, when you exchange your outside money for the temple money to buy your sacrifice, they exchanged your money. They just didn't do it dollar for dollar. They charged you a little fee to make some money in the church. You see what I'm saying? So therefore, Christ come in, and he's like, this is not what my house is about. And what did he do? Just say, you guys, (laughs) y'all need to do better next week when I come back. Flip the table. Well, hold up. That kind of seemed like a temper tantrum, doesn't it? Hey, look, I'm not going to sit here and try. That's a whole different message by itself, okay? Because some people would say, well, that doesn't seem very pastor-like. If I come in and did that, probably somebody would be trying to get me removed right? That's what Jesus did. Why? Because it was justified for the injustice that was happening. The the level of the injustice brought forth the the response. And we know Jesus never sinned. So therefore, we can say this was not sin. That's complicated, all right? But we know that in that anger, it was righteous anger, and there was no sin. Let's look at a a, a maybe an easier one to, to look at that doesn't require us another 30 minutes to dig out. How about David and Goliath? When David showed up on a scene and Goliath had, had been just, just beefing out the, the Israelites and causing this trained army uh, that, that was trained to fight, and they were just laying down dormant and scared and not taking on this beast. And, and David got up. He got a little righteous anger in him, didn't he? He was like, oh, 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 oh. man, what are you guys doing, man? What? And he said, the Lord, my God, will strengthen me and will, and will help me overcome this enemy that's coming against God's people. So we know there was a level of of righteous anger in David that led to something good, and God used it because he handled it the right way for God's glory, all right? You see, sometimes I feel like as Christians, sometimes we don't get mad enough. (laughs) You ever thought about that? (laughs) We think that getting mad by itself is so bad that we just, I'm not going to get mad. I'm not even going to think about it. I don't even want to watch the news. I don't even want to see what, don't don't tell me. I don't want to hear about it. And I get it. But yet at the same time, God wants to use this normal emotion over an injustice that may be happening to move us toward to handle it in the right way and do something good about it. 
So let me ask you a question. What do you see going on in the world that makes you mad enough you want to stop talking about it and do something about it? That's God-given inside of that if we use it the right way. I stand on this uh, podium, at this podium today, because of a calling of God that started to stir in me that got a little righteously anger at seeing the church start to accept sin inside the church and call it okay with the Bible called sin. And I started to get a little fired up and I started to just kind of arm wrestle with God and that never goes good, right? And I was like, God, when are you going to put some people in the pulpit to have a spine to preach the word and stop watering this junk down so people can be discipled and the, and the word of God can fall under hearts and convict them because it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. When are you going to get some preachers to do that and stop watering this junk down? Here's the problem. He said, okay, why don't you go do it? <laughs> and I ran for two years like, no, you got the wrong guy. But all that started with a little righteous anger about an injustice going on inside the church. And it still fires me up to this day. And it makes me mad that those are the churches that are full and everything else. And I'm like, Lord, why are you? They're not preaching the word. They're not. Still frustrating. But I've just got to stay faithful to what God called me to do because they'll answer one day for what they're doing. And I can just trust, like Paul said, regardless of their motives, regardless of what's going on, I should just be thankful that the word of God in some ways being preached, even if they just say the name Jesus and, and don't do the discipleship part, God's word never returns void. And maybe someday, somehow, some people will open their eyes and be like, hold up, I'm not getting the rest of the picture here. Why are we only talking about grace, mercy, grace, mercy, grace, mercy, grace, mercy, grace, mercy? Where's the rest of the Bible? So it can be positive. But it can also be negative and destroying. Let's look at the biblical definition of this. I'm just going to read a bunch of verses fairly quickly for you just so we can hear and we'll get the understanding. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 9. Do not hasten in your spirit to be angry for anger rests in the bosom of fools. Proverbs 19 verse 11. Good sense makes one slow to anger and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Verse 19, chapter 19, verse 19 in Proverbs. A man of great wrath will pay the penalty. For if you deliver him, you will only have to do it again. In other words, some people just don't learn. Proverbs 15, verse 1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 15, 18. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. Proverbs 22, verse 24 through 25. Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Did you know that we learn anger responses from those we're around most frequently? Did you know kids learn anger responses from you, mom and dad? Boy, that's a, that's a heavy weight, isn't it? And boy, I just felt convicted in that. How about you? They learn from us. Proverbs 29, verse 22 in the NIV says, An angry person stirs up conflict, and a hot-tempered person commits many sins. I'm going to say that again. A hot-tempered person commits many sins. It means it's going to lead us to the wrong response to that normal emotion if we don't control it. So when you're angry, have you ever done something that you wish you had not done? 
Yeah. You ever said something to somebody that you wish you had not said and you could take back? Yeah. When you're angry, has your response ever ruined a relationship that you had? When you're angry, have you ever hurt someone physically, emotionally, or psychologically by your actions? You see, it can be dangerous. So what types of anger are there? When we look at the psychosocial definitions, there's something called open aggression with anger. We know that's pretty obvious, that that's the people that have a tendency to lash out, fits of rage, become physically or verbally aggressive, can oftentimes hurt themselves or others. This comes out in fighting, bullying, blackmailing, accusing, shouting, bickering, sarcasm, criticism. Open aggression comes from a need to be in control. Oftentimes it'll be damaging to property and, of course, people. People that have open aggression with anger, obviously, you know where they stand. You know they're mad. But there's another type of anger that's leased out, and it's called passive aggression. This is dangerous because these people, you don't know they're mad, and they leak this out in harmful ways. All right? These people oftentimes won't admit that they're angry. The open aggression, you'd be like, you mad? Yeah, I'm mad. Can't you see I'm mad? Passive aggression, what are you mad? No, no, I'm not mad. Just don't fall asleep. You see, these people typically don't like confrontation. So they're going to try to suppress that and leak it out or oftentimes one time explode. So come out in things like being silent when you're angry, sulking, maybe even leads to procrastination, pretending everything is fine. Passive aggression also comes from a need to control. And we're going to look at that here a little bit more in a second. So we know there's secular descriptions as well. So let's look at this secular description because what we're going to see is a biblical description. We've already kind of looked at the negative aspect of the negative aspect of the anger. We saw all those Proverbs verses and everything. And we're going to see a, a biblical definition of the way, of the proper way to, to handle anger. But let's look at the secular description of the proper way. So the improper way, open aggression, passive aggression. There's multiple phases and aspects inside that. We don't have time to get in all that. I didn't mean to give you all a counseling lesson today. All right. But Here's the secular definition of the proper way to handle anger. Are you ready for this? Because tell me if this doesn't sound pretty biblical inside of all this to you. I just want you to hear it, all right? And this is not from, a, a, uh, from the focus on the family, all right? This is a secular source online. I'm going to read it. It's called assertive anger. This is the healthy way to deal with anger. It's by being controlled and confident, talking and listening, and open to help in dealing with the situation. This, assert this assertive anger can help relationships grow. It means thinking before you speak, being confident in how you say it, yet open and flexible to the other side. It means being patient, not raising your voice, communicating how you are feeling emotionally, and really trying to understand what others are feeling. When you deal with anger assertively, you demonstrate that you are mature and care about your relationships and yourself. 
Forgiveness, ding, 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 is always important. If a person has apologized for making you angry, or if you realize that the situation isn't worth it, be open to forgive and willing to be forgiven and forgive yourself. This will help you to calm down and will help your relationships with others to flourish. Wow. I mean, if you just took a secular definition and laced aspects and virtues of the Bible in it, that's, that's kind of what it would look like, isn't it? I mean, everything, I mean, they did everything but quote some scripture. <laughs> I'm going to read some expressions of anger. This is by a uh, psychologist named Dr. Becca Johnson that she put in, in one of the books that she ha- had written alongside a pastor, actually. And I'm going to read some expressions of anger and see if any of these sound familiar to you, because some of them don't seem like outright responses on how we react to anger. But just see, listen to these from this psychologist. Responses to anger, expressions of anger. People shut down. They assert power and authority, become pushy or aggressive, yell, scream, shout, slam things. They belittle people or demean people. They slander people intimidate people. Others become depressed. They isolate themselves, alienate other people. They suppress their feelings. They repress, regress, become fearful. They hit, grab, punch, kick, bite, and throw things. They become defensive, become prideful and arrogant. They become withdrawn, become self-righteous. They lie, curse, they withhold affection. They whine and pout, put others down, roll their eyes. Other people express their anger by spewing it out, threatening others, pick up hostile or in environment situations and things, blaming others' feelings, shame them, manipulate others, experiencing hate, self-hatred by covering up their feelings. They justify their actions or feelings. They make excuses. They become discouraged, despondent, or depressed. Gossiping or slandering someone that they feel like deserves it. They minimize their anger and how it affects others. They deny, again, their feelings. They have feelings of pity. They become critical and cynical. They become sarcastic, giving the other person the silent treatment. And finally, crying. That was a lot, wasn't it? And I'd say there's probably many more, but that was a pretty encompassing list. Some were very obvious. Some were less obvious ways of expressing anger. So we know inside of all this that we're all prone to this. So we need to examine ourselves. And we need to know typically how do we respond? I mean, when you're anger, you know what you're prone to. How do you respond? Are you, are you, gonna, are you the lashing out or are you the suppressing? It's pretty interesting that men lose their temper six times a week, whereas women lose their temper three times a week. I don't know if that's true or not. It's just a little fun statistic I found. But here's some truth that I think we can all admit to. We're two times more likely to express our anger at home as opposed to work or school. Way more likely to take it out on the people we love the most and mean the most to us and have our back no matter what than the people that would cut ourselves off and run away from us in a heartbeat. Think about that. 
So what are some faces of anger here since we're talking about it, all right? And as we go through these really quick, you may say, well, man, I, I feel like I've got a few of these. I'm not just one or the other. I feel like I maybe identify with all of them. That's okay. That just means you're multi-talented in your anger, okay? And you're ambidextrous. You can go both ways, all right? You know, right or left. No, I'm just kidding, all right? But it's pretty common for you might be a, a stuffer or a leaker in your anger at work, but you might be a spewer of your anger at home. All right, kind of what we just talked about. So here's some ways that we can, that uh, people typically in categories express anger. Spewers. Usually these are learned behaviors. These are the bomb droppers. Short fuse. They have poor impulse control. All right. Oftentimes when they're angry and mad and in their rages, they'll repeat the same thing over and over and over again. All right. Gives them a false sense of power. Oftentimes, um, Obviously, they'll cause people around them to walk on eggshells. People around them will start not telling the truth to keep them from getting angry, if that's what it means. These people that are spewers will oftentimes give excuses for their anger. They'll feel justified. And they'll oftentimes repetitively ask for forgiveness and then do it again, and it's a cycle. Here's the key. Not all the time, but many times, many people that are spewers desperately want out. They want to quit. They want to stop this emotion, but they don't know how. All right? Good news is, if that's you, we're going to get some truth today. And if you need help beyond here, we'll be glad to point you that direction because we're here to help, not condemn. We're here to make disciples and to right track through the Lord. All right? Oftentimes, of course, that causes wounds to self and others and can lead to further retaliation. Second way that anger, a face of anger is expressed is a stuffer. There's the ones who suppress it and deny it and think all anger is bad, all right? So their anger really turns inward, if you will. And that's scary because did, did you know that some psychologists would, would suggest that over 90%, and we know there's depression for various levels, there's even uh, chemical imbalances in the brain that cause depression that, and all that, but did you know that some psychologists would suggest that over 90% of depression is rooted in some type of anger turned inward? Think about that. And what we're going to see is anger is actually a secondary emotion, and that's important to understand, all right? But those are the stuffers. Those are ones that lead to internal resentment, and they, they get psychological and physiological symptoms because of it. And it may lead to a volcano-like explosion one day. The person that just, just had enough, and all of a sudden they go off at some point. We've seen that in our society in a lot of ways. The third one is a leaker. This is like this passive-aggressive, passive expression of anger. They um, believe showing anger is bad, okay? And they'll let it out in little small bursts, oftentimes directed at a person, but it doesn't have to be. They can indirectly release it. What does that mean? They go to other people. They talk. They gossip. They slander. They let their anger out in various ways because what they want to do, they're not the confrontational type. I don't want to deal with my anger right here, right up in somebody's grill. But if I go over here where they're not there, this is a safer place to deal with my anger, and then I can tear them apart in my own way. Or this type of person of leaking may be the, 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 uh, the passive-aggressive person that just gives little boop, little boop, little button pushes. They don't really come right out with what's going on, but they just, uh, 
That's dangerous. And it can be just come to ask little questions, little passive-aggressive questions that they already know the answer to, and they know you already know the answer to. They're just trying to push your buttons and show that they got a little something about you. All right? can be leakers like that and causes problems still in relationships. All right, so I think we've defined it psychosocially pretty adequately. So what does the Bible say right here in our passage back to James about how to tame this monster as we close? All right, because that's what we're here for. First of all, we know we need to identify, as we've seen, that there's, first of all, anger is a secondary emotion. You don't start with anger. Something has to make you angry. I think we can all understand that. So we need to know that there's a cause. It could be pain. Somebody hurt us physically, emotionally, right? And that caused us to be angry. We know it could be um, anything like hurt and uh, emotional hurt. It could be just as something as simple, seemingly simple, as unmet expectations in your life. And it can make you angry. And then that anger can eventually build up and lead to certain responses, okay? So we need to recognize that anger, first of all, is not the primary emotion. It's a secondary emotion. There's something under the hood behind it that's causing it. And we need to recognize that, all right? And then we need to identify that there's good, righteous anger. We've already talked about that. And there's bad, selfish agenda anger. We need to identify what this is, okay, and how our response We already had the Ephesians 4 passage. In our anger, do not sin, all right? And this isn't just about our actions. Did you know you and I, if we let it dwell and we don't deal with our anger in our thoughts and this emotion, that we can have anger fantasies. You ever been there? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) Yeah, that can happen in me and you, and it's happened. Where we just start to think bad about that person that hurts. They just ruined me. I just hope that you ruined me. And you let that stuff, man, sit in there, and that'll cause you to have bitterness. And, oh, and that's another, that's another whole other message. To harbor that and to keep that and not deal with it and get it out. All right? So we'll respond how we respond to other people's anger makes a difference as well. Are we going to respond in a godly, positive manner, or are we going to retaliate? We need to recognize that. When some people respond in anger against us, how do we act back? Are we going to forgive? Are we going to look to to rectify? All right? This is where we could use I feel messages and not attacking. Instead of saying, you always, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. How about, you know, I feel hurt when, when you respond in such a way that it, it makes the kids, not, you know, different in messages. Instead of you always, you're this, you're da, da, da. And it's a way to express it where it's not going to cause retaliation as much. This type of response has a God-centered and others-focused mentality and heart. All right? So responding correctly allows God to use our anger Maybe to confront a situation in our relationships, at our work, at our school, in our society, where we don't lash out and retaliate in our own way. We don't just take it to the streets. We go and we fight righteously behind the scenes for correction and let God get the glory for it. All right? So this is direct or or indirect facing a person 
It's Matthew 18 principle. When somebody's wronged you, what does the Bible say you should do? Harbor it, suppress it down, retaliate, and go get them any chance you can? No. Go to your brother, sister that's harmed you. Explain, express, conversate, right? And then if they don't listen, then what should you do? Didn't retaliate? No. Well, they didn't listen to me, so, you know, they they didn't get it. No. Then it says take two or three with you from the church. All right, go in response. And then if they still don't listen to you, then what do you do? Here's a lost art. Take it before the church. Maybe not necessarily the whole congregation and spread everybody's laundry, but how about the elders, the leadership of the church, probably more of what it's talking about. And then if they don't listen, then you treat them like they don't belong. Because they don't. Because their heart's not right. All right? So, a little Matthew 18 principle to, to brush up on. All right? So, but what we need, essentially need to do is use anger like a light on the dash. When we feel angry, we need to know that that means that there's something going on under the hood. You know the check engine light on your car, right? All you people that drive Ford, y'all are familiar with this. All right? <laughs> the, the light comes. Did I say that? I'm sorry. The filter didn't catch. All right? They don't make them any of them like they used to. But anyway, you know when the check engine light comes on that something's wrong. And you don't, you don't ignore it. And this is what you definitely don't do. Oh, this piece of junk, man. And, and you go and, and you run your car off a cliff or you beat it with a baseball bat and you just hammer it up. No. You go about what's the right way to fix it. What's going on? Get it diagnosed. Take it to a proper person that can look under the hood and see what's wrong. And let's get it fixed. And let's right the ship. That's what we should do when anger shows up. Okay? Ask what's going on. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it healthy? If it's unhealthy, what do I need to do to fix it? What's going on? All right? So we use this passage of this principle to close it up. In verse, chapter 1, verses 19 gives it to us. Plain and, cl- and simple. What did it say? So then, my beloved brethren, because we don't want wrath of man to produce the unrighteousness of God, verse 19 says, let every man be swift to hear. This word swift obviously is quick, and it means quick to listen. And it's not just quick in terms of time. It's t- it shows an attitude of heart, guys. That's what this is pointing at. It's an eagerness. It's a desire to learn, all right? From a person, maybe, yes, to listen to whoever's wronged you and the conflict you have, yeah, okay, we got to be willing to do that. But this is more at the heart of hearing from God. Let's make that clear. We need to be quick to listen and hear an eagerness and a desire to hear from the Lord on how we should act and how we should respond. That's what this verse is looking to. It's about application to the situation you're in. It's where God speaks through his word. The first step is to be an intentional, intentional, humble listener. An intentional, humble listener to God and the other person. Not a reactive, selfish responder toward God or the other person. <laughs> Do you know we can be reactive and selfish toward God as well in our response? Take it in our own hands. Vengeance is the Lord, says his. You want to get back at the other person, the best thing you can do is put it in the Lord's hand. Let him deal with them. I promise you, he's going to handle it. You may not see how he handles it, and that's where our problem lies. Because we see him on Facebook, and on the vacation again. Oh, did they making all this money? They got a promotion? They got a new car? God, when are you going to do something to them? Believe me, behind the scenes, he's dealing with it in his own way. 
But you got to put it on him and trust him. Facebook's a liar. That's why I call it fake book. Ain't nothing real on that stuff anymore. So we've got to be quick to listen. So in other words, as the anger gauge goes up, let off the throttle and listen to God. Why am I angry? Remember, it's a secondary emotion. Number two, it says right here in the passage, be slow to speak. So after I'm quick to, and eager to, and to listen, have a desire to learn from the Lord, all right, and get things right with the other person, now I'm slow to speak. Oh, boy, that, that's, that's a flip, isn't it? Because we want to be quick to speak. I got to get my two cents in, right? I'm going to get the last word. No, no, no. That's not how it works. This is a warning against harsh words that will wound others and make things worse. Again, it means you got to choose. I'm not necessarily going to get the last word. I'm going to let the Lord work here. I'm just going to listen from him, listen to the other person. I'm going to be slow to speak and speak. And when I do, Lord, help me guide my tongue. That's our heart. It means we think before we speak. Proverbs 10, 19 says, when words are many, sin is not absent. But he who holds his tongue is wise. Well, it doesn't get any stronger and sharper than that, does it? See, sharp words will wound others and it'll also cut your own throat if you're not careful. That's where God's word wants to tell us, man, just must be slow to speak. Guard our lips and guard our life. We're going to have a message on taming the tongue here in a couple weeks and go in deeper to, to, to taming the tongue and what that looks like. So basically, what's the Bible pointing at? We engage our brain before our tongue, our hands, or our feet. You're taking notes. You can write that down. That's maybe a take-home message. You want to respond to anger correctly? First thing we got to do is engage our brain with the Lord first, right, before we engage our tongues, our hands, or our feet. What God wants us to do, all right? Some people think, man, if it's on my mind, it's got to come out my mouth. The Bible says that's not a good equation, and it doesn't work that way, all right? So what should we do? Might start to put this scripture, this passage, this very passage in James chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. Hide it in your heart. Memorize it. Internalize it. Apply it. Man, the Bible says, I hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Man, I'm going to tell you, man, we, we watch hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of TV. We listen to hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of secular music. And we don't spend time in God's word and we don't memorize it. How is God ever going to transform our mind? Remember how change takes place? It comes through transforming our mind. That means a change of heart that leads to a change of actions, right, that God wants to do in our life. It's not about do's and don'ts and trying harder. All the spiritual activities are great, but they by themselves won't change your life. You have to allow the word of God to penetrate you and change you and pray for the spirit of the Lord to do his work in your life. That's the beautiful part. The last one is slow to anger. That's patience. Let's have an extended fuse. That means we're not harboring bitterness or resentfulness or anger in all those feelings. That we replace reaction with reflection. It means we're looking back to the root and the best way to fix it. It's that, Lord, what do I need to step back and learn as opposed to step out and do first, right? Here's the take home. It's an A, B, C, D. What do we need to do when we're Faced with anger and how to respond and control and tame this monster within. A, I need to acknowledge and admit I'm angry. First of all, acknowledge and admit that I'm angry. B, 
I need to backtrack to the primary emotion. See what's really caused this. So then, see, I consider the cause. Is there something very obvious? This could be obvious or not obvious. I mean, obviously, the cause, yeah, somebody hurt me. Somebody said something about me. All that stuff. Yeah, we know that's obvious. How about the not-so-obvious reasons you might be angry and stern inside that's just building up? Unmet expectations. You don't feel like your spouse is, is showing up for you like they should. You don't, you, you don't feel like your kids are, are, are listening to you. You don't feel like you're, you're getting anything done that you want to get done. And, 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 and that just leads to building anger, building anger, and you don't even realize it sometimes. So we consider the cause as C. And then D, we determine the right response. And we go back to this threefold process right there that we just went through. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger and wrath. And that's our answer. So... To close, basically, we're dealing with a horse. And it's either a wild, untamed horse or it's a domestic trained horse. You see, a wild horse, how many of you would get on that and ride it? I know there's a few crazy people here, be like, yeah, man, that's not like fun. But I mean, realistically, you get on a wild horse, you got a great chance of getting hurt. It's dangerous, it's not controlled. It's wild, and anybody who tries to get on it and do something about it gets hurt. That's what anger can do if it's not tamed. But yet on the response, when we have a horse that's been trained and that's been tamed and is domestic and is broken in, then you can ride it. You can enjoy it, and there's control there. And then here's the beautiful part. It's a thing of safety, and it's useful, and it's powerful for good. That's what God wants us to do with this emotion of anger. So basically, God wants us to take this word, use it, put the spiritual bit in the wild stallion of anger. So our anger serves us, our relationships, and most of all, it serves the Lord and not the enemy who wants to use it to steal, kill, and destroy who wants to use it to sever you away from opportunities. And more importantly, he wants to use it to sever you away from the people that you love the most and that love you the most. Don't let the monster win. Tame it today through Christ and the truth of his word. That's taming the monster. Let's bow our head and close our eyes. I wonder if there's anybody in here today first and foremost, might just say, man, I would love to have this type of possibility of control in my life, this opportunity of, of newness, of freedom, of a, of a new way to live, a new way to act. But I don't have this spirit of the Lord that you're talking about, Brad. I've never surrendered, committed my life to Christ, and I want to do that right now today. And if that's you and you've never done that, I'm going to offer you the opportunity. I want you just to surrender your life to the Lord and just repent, which means you just come and say, Lord, I admit that I'm wrong. I'm a sinner, and and I'm going to turn away from my sin, from myself, from the things of this world. I want to turn toward you, and I don't know how to do that, Lord. You need to help me, and you need to do the work that I can't do in myself. That's it. Just surrender and come to him right now and give him your life. Will you do that? Or you might be in here and say, Brad, I've I've walked with the Lord previously in my life, but lately, man, life's been hard, and I've drifted away, and, man, things are just going wrong. And and, and today I want to come running back to the cross, and I want to rededicate my life to Jesus, and I want to get it right and get on track and use my life for God's glory. 
because I need it. And I've been trying to do life on my own recently, and I've messed things up. And I just want to come running back to Jesus like the prodigal son. If that's you, I'm going to ask you just to do business with God the same way and pray from your heart and ask the Lord to, man, just to give you a renewed fire in your life and rededicate your life to him. So to receive him for the first time or to rededicate your life, just right now, unashamed, doing business with God, just say, dear Lord, I admit to you right now, Lord, that I'm a sinner. I've messed up. And I'm more than sorry. I want to turn away from it. I'm tired of doing life on my own. I'm tired of trying to fill myself up with the things of this world. And Lord, I need a, I need a new life. I need a new start. And Lord, I know I'm going to find that in you. Thank you for sending your son Jesus, God in the flesh, the spotless lamb who laid down his life, broke his body, shed his blood so that I could have forgiveness of my sin, that your wrath was placed on him so that it didn't have to be placed on me. And that through him, I can become the righteousness of God through Christ, that I could be heirs to the throne, that I could be a child of God and become part of the family and be adopted into sonship. Lord, I thank you for that, for that gift of Christ on the cross and that forgiveness. So, Lord, inside of that, Lord, I thank you also for raising him from the grave three days later, proving that he is God and he stands in victory. And, Lord, right now, I want to claim and live out that same victory in my life, Lord, because I need it and my family needs it desperately. So from this day forward, man, I'm done living for myself. I'm done living for the things of this world, and I want to live for you. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye still closed. If you did business with God right there for the first time or you rededicated your life, just boldly, unashamed, would you raise your hand and say, Brad, I did that? Amen. Hands up. If I don't see you, God does. That's more important. We're going to close our service like we do every week here at Impact. I'm just going to ask you right now to, to do business and put action with your feet to whatever God's doing in your heart. Whatever it is, maybe it's something through the message. Maybe you made a decision for Christ right now. Maybe you need prayer with a pastor. They'll be up here. You've got a bad health report or a loved one that needs prayer of some sort, a situation going on. Whatever it is, and you need prayer, you can come up here. Maybe you just need to come and ask about joining the church or getting plugged in. Whatever it is, what's right now, let's stand to our feet. Let's sing with all our heart, with all our voice, and let's come right now as the Lord leads.
Amen. Can we give Jesus a big round of applause in this place for his word and what he continues to do? And I know it was a good one. We could have spent three weeks on this one topic, but we wrapped it all into one. And I hope you picked something out of it and hope the Lord spoke. He's going to use it in all our lives as we uh, let the word penetrate our heart. We be doers of the word and not just hearers only. What good would that do? So let's go. Let's let this word of God make an impact in our own hearts and lives so that then we can go make an impact for Christ and others. All right. Take this word. We'll see you next Sunday. If those of you want to hang out and stay, you can. We'll go over the finances real quick. If you, don't, uh, uh, if you can't stay, you need to take off, feel free. Go ahead. I'm going to start diving right into that and, and talk as you move around. So we'll stack chairs and do all that. I'll, I'll just talk through it as we go. And uh, see you next Sunday.